Thank you, Neville, very much for your help this evening. Let us turn to John's Gospel, chapter 5, once again. John's Gospel, chapter 5, and our text will be the verse 24 of John's Gospel, chapter 5. John 5 and the verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Amen. Let us seek the Lord for prayer. Our gracious Father, we come into your holy presence. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for the word of God, for the power of your word. We pray that you be with us now as we consider this text tonight. Touch our hearts with the, the force of its contents. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Life, everlasting life. That really is what this text is about. And this is one of these great gospel texts that come from the lips of Christ himself that we read of in, in John's gospel. But in John's gospel, life within the context of spiritual life is always everlasting life. It's one of the, the great themes of John's gospel, the word life. Christ came that we might have life. And you can trace this all of the way through the gospel. The first time we read of the word life in John's gospel is John chapter 1 and the verse 4. In him that is in Christ was life, and the life was the light of man. You see, this everlasting life we're talking about, it's Christ's life. It's Christ's life that he lived for us. It's Christ's life that he laid down for us. And it's Christ's life that was raised again for us. And it's Christ's life that is at the right hand of God for us. Without the life of Christ, we could have no life. Life comes from Christ. But do you see the connection between life and light here? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that's another theme of, of John's gospel. Not just of John's gospel, but of John's writings generally. Light and life. Christ is the, the light of the world. The opposite of life is death, and the opposite of light is darkness. And if you're without Christ tonight, you're in the darkness and you're in death because you don't have life. As I said, you can trace this all of the way through John's gospel. We come to, to John chapter 3, and, and we all know about John chapter 3 and the verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then the Lord talks about being saved. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So those that have this life are a saved people. For Jesus says they're a saved people. 
to have Christ's life is to be saved. And then the next chapter, John chapter 4 and the verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Satisfaction. If you have everlasting life, you're satisfied. For you have something that you can never have in this world. The, the, the millions and the billions of this world, all of the, the luxuries of this world, will never give you everlasting life. But whenever you have everlasting life, you're satisfied. And the Lord talked to Nicodemus, the devout Jew, about everlasting life. And then he spoke to this immoral Samaritan woman about everlasting life. Both of them needed to be saved. It doesn't matter who you are tonight. You need to be saved because you need this life. And then skipping through a few chapters, right, to John chapter 17 and the verse 3. The Lord was praying there for his people, and he said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. When you know God, you've got eternal life. You should never, ever think that eternal life is something you don't get until you get to heaven. That's a fallacy. Eternal life begins now. The moment you're saved, you have everlasting life. Well, the everlasting life might be bound up in a dying body because the body will die, but the soul will live. And then one day the body will be raised again. And the everlasting life that we have within the soul is a very guarantee that one day the body will be raised. And what a day that's going to be. But the moment the child of God closes his or her eyes in death, it's present with the Lord. To have that life, that everlasting life, we've got it now. If you don't believe that you've got everlasting life now, well then you believe in being saved one day and lost the next. And that can't happen. And whenever God gives everlasting life to someone, he's never going to remove it. Because this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. And then whenever John was writing to the, the Christians in 1 John chapter 5, he said in the verse 11, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Life. God has given us his word that we might know that we have eternal life. And when we've got Christ, we've got eternal life. And if you don't have Christ as your Savior, you don't have eternal life. And therefore, Christ is the, the very line of distinction. The definition of a Christian is someone that knows Christ. That's how we know that we've got eternal life whenever we have Christ as our Savior. And all of these thoughts, they come together, really. In this verse 24, this is very much in keeping with John's great themes. But remember, they're not John's words, they're Christ's. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So taking everlasting life as, as our theme, this just 
Look at this text simply. The first thing we have is the access. The access to everlasting life. How can you have access to everlasting life? If you're not saved tonight, surely you must want eternal life. Who doesn't want to live in heaven forever? Surely you want everlasting life. And if you haven't got this everlasting life, then how can you have it? How can you have that assurance and peace in your heart this evening? What's the access? Well, the Lord tells us what the access is. He says here in this verse 24, He that (coughs) heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. So the first thing is you've got to hear the word of God. And then you've got to believe on God and on Christ. So there's the hearing of the word and then there's the believing on the word as well. And without this, you cannot have everlasting life. And of course, this immediately removes all of the crutches that people lean upon. It's not coming to church. It's not paying into your church. And it's not being baptized. And it's not being confirmed. And it's not taking communion. And it's not even saying prayers. It's not even reading Bibles. It's not trying to be good and trying to be good living. And what a foolish statement for anyone that's a Christian. No Christian should ever call themselves good living. That's the language of the world. There is none good, no, not one. The only one that's good is Christ. And it's not about what we do. It's about what Christ has done. And it's about hearing the Word of God and believing in the Word of God. It's a privilege to hear. The fact that you're here or you're listening online, you're hearing God's Word. What a remarkable privilege. It must have been marvelous for these people to have heard Jesus. And yet, it wasn't enough even to hear Jesus. For some didn't believe. And if you look there at the verse 40 of John chapter 5, the Lord said, And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. You won't come. They heard the Savior himself. But they wouldn't come. They still wouldn't come. They heard the greatest preacher that ever lived. They heard words the like of which no mortal has ever heard. From one who loved as no one else could love. And he loved their hearts. But they would not come. But they might have life. They turned away. You hear. But believing is a choice. And this choice is presented to you tonight. Will you come? You're hearing. But will you believe? Because the only way by which you can have access to this everlasting life is by believing. By trusting Christ as your only Savior. That's the access. Let's also think of the appeasement. If we are to have everlasting life, God's wrath must be appeased. And we have that taught here in this passage, in this text, 
I say unto you, Jesus said, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. It's a very important word, the word condemnation. The word condemnation, it teaches judgment, teaches punishment. It teaches guilt. By nature, we are all a guilty people. We deserve God's condemnation. And Jesus said in John chapter 3, He that believeth not is condemned already. So as you sit in Clucker Valley Free Presbyterian Church tonight, you're sitting in a church pew, but you're condemned. That means you're in death row. God has stayed execution. Because he's given you opportunity to repent and to come to him. But if you die in your sins, if you die without God's wrath being appeased, then you will be condemned forever. And that sentence is death. That is eternal death. It was John who said of the very end at the great white throne, when the dead, small and great, would stand before God, death and hell were sent into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire. And tonight, dear friend, you're condemned but there is a way by which that condemnation can be lifted. And it's not through anything that you do or that I can do for you. It's what Christ already has done for you on that cross. Whenever he took the punishment, he was condemned for you. He took your place. He died for you. And he shed that precious blood for you that you might have everlasting life. He died that you might live. So, to have everlasting life, your sin must be dealt with. But thank God it has been dealt with on that cross. And therefore, you need to trust Christ alone as your Savior. There is no other way. That was why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. There's no other way. But his way leads to life. There we have it again. Let's also think about the admission to everlasting life. So there is the door of access. There is the appeasement, the lifting of the condemnation, but there is the admission. And you look at what the Lord said, this person that has everlasting life, they shall not come into condemnation, but this person is passed from death unto life. So a transformation takes place. When a person has everlasting life, this person is never the same again. They pass from death to life. Now, we know there is a dramatic difference between death and life. I suppose it is the most dramatic difference that exists in the world where life is. Because once life has gone, that, that, that's it. And, and what, a, what a difference, what a difference. And the Lord is saying here that if you do not have everlasting life, not only are you facing the condemnation of God, but you're dead at this present point in time. You're dead in your sins. But whenever you have this everlasting life, you're transformed. You suddenly become a living person. Am I saying you're not alive? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. You might be alive in the body and 
You might be able to talk, you might be able to see, and you might be able to think, but you're dead. You're dead in your heart. You're dead in your soul. For you don't have the life of God. That's why the Lord said to Nicodemus, when he talked about life, you must be born again. And being born again is literally to have life from above. Now, Nicodemus couldn't really understand that. How can a man be born when he is old? Can an old man suddenly be born? Can somebody who has already been born be born again? And when you think about it, it's mysterious language, isn't it? I have always found it intriguing since I, I learned that this existed. The manner in which God has prepared people's hearts and societies across the world for mysterious gospel truth. And he has, you know. God has prepared societies for centuries and perhaps even for millennia for the gospel. A man called Don Richardson writes about this. There's three books. There's The Peace Child. I've referenced The Peace Child before. There's a book called Gods of the Earth, and there is a book called Eternity in Their Hearts. Eternity in Their Hearts, well, that's based on what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, where he said, God has put the world in the heart of man. That word world actually means eternity. God has put eternity into the hearts of, of all people. And then he tells a story of a tribe in New Guinea called the Azmat. They lived in one of the most inhospitable environments on earth. They lived in a swamp. And they had lived there for centuries, as far back as anyone knows. They are what the anthropologists would call primitive people. Don't think that's biblically right, though. We might have clothes and we might appear more civilized, but when you look at what we do to unborn children, our society is as primitive as they are. They were cannibals, headhunters, violent. And they had a deadly enemy, a neighboring tribe known as the Basim tribe. And yet, these two tribes made peace. Whenever I read this, I had to read it again and again, and I hope I can put this across to you. This is how they made peace. Two sets of warriors lay down on mats. And then their wives came, and they stood over the bodies of the warriors. And then children from each tribe came, and they crawled over the top of the warriors, underneath the legs of the women, they crawled through a human tunnel. And when they reached the other side of this tunnel, the children from the Azmat tribe, they went to Basim woman. And the children of the Basim tribe went to Azmat woman. And for several days, those tribes adopted the children of the other tribe. And they loved them. And there was rejoicing and there was celebration. And missionaries were watching this and wondering what all of this was about. And then as they started to work it out and converse with the people, they discovered that the 
children going through the tunnel was the birth canal. When they came out the other side and were then welcomed by women from the opposite tribe, they were born into that new tribe. And because children from each tribe had been born into the tribe of the enemy, they were able to make peace with each other. And at the end of the whole event, the children went back to their normal homes, but the tribes went out and they hunted together and they didn't fear each other as once they did because peace had been made. And the missionary was then able to do what he had never been able to do before. He was able to reach them with the gospel because he now could talk their language. He could talk about being born again. For these people knew what born again meant. They knew what it was in a practical way to go from death to life. And that's not just a one-off story. In various people groups across the world, you have God preparing people for the gospel, putting language into the hearts of people so that they will be able to understand the gospel. And once they were at war, and once there was death and viciousness and violence, and then peace came when the new birth came. But you don't need that kind of cultural understanding to understand the gospel, do you? Because you've had it. And that's the marvelous privilege that we have in this country, to have the gospel, to have truth. For you young people and children here to be brought up in a gospel-preaching church where you have this truth, and God's put it into your heart. But how terrible is your condemnation when you turn away from this and refuse it and don't embrace it? Because without Christ, you're at war with God. You've made God your enemy. Sin has made God your enemy. But whenever you're born again, God becomes your father. And there's peace with God through Jesus Christ. We know that birth is an experience. It's the fundamental experience of life. And to be born again is an experience. And it takes place once. And it's not repeated. And this could be the night when you're born again. This could be the night when you enter the family of God. And when new life comes. How about it, friend? Finally, we have assurance because this verse is all about assurance. Verily I say unto you, verily, verily, or truly, truly I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth in him that sent me hath everlasting life, hath everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. There's such a assurance here, such peace here. And remember, this peace doesn't come about because of anything we do, anything we strive to achieve. It comes about through Christ and through our knowledge of God's Word. It's a possession. Those that have Jesus Christ as their Savior, they possess eternal life. Have you that possession tonight? There are other things you may possess. But if you don't have everlasting life, then you have nothing. 
But when you have Christ, you have everything. Will you not come to Christ tonight? Trust Him as your Savior and know that you have everlasting life. Let's just bow for prayer. You're here tonight without the Lord. Will you do what this text exhorts you to do? He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. If you've heard, will you believe? Will you cry from your heart? Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me tonight. Will you do that? If you are concerned, you can speak to me. You can slip back in after others have gone. Take time to talk to you about the things of God. But don't put this matter off. It's too serious. Lord, strive in hearts through your word. For Christ's sake, amen. Let us sing this closing hymn together. Whosoever heareth, shout, shout this morning.